It was a huge win and huge response for North Carolina in their first conference game of the season. Absolutely drubbing Virginia Tech, 41 to 10. How'd they do it? Let's talk about it. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, folks, it is October. That means we are one month away from basketball season. Something cool we're doing here on Locked On Tar Heels all month. We're going to do a giveaway every single week. This week's giveaway is a $10 Starbucks card free to you. All you have to do is subscribe on our YouTube channel. The link uh, will be in the show notes. You can just hit subscribe right at the bottom there. Make sure you have a public channel. That's how we can see who has subscribed. But on Saturday of this week, we will do a drawing to see who has subscribed this week that is going to win the $10 uh, Starbucks digital gift card. Make sure you get in on that action. Free coffee for everybody. It's October, maybe a pumpkin spice latte. All right, let's get right into this football game. The Tar Heels are 1-0 in conference play. That's what you want to hear and that's what you need to know. That's what matters. It's a great response to Carolina's first loss of the season coming off of that Notre Dame game. Again, you would love to have won that game, but ultimately, it's not a conference game, and that's what you're playing. I mean, you want to win every game, but the Tar Heels at this point still have all this conference stuff in front of them. That's what I've been saying all week long. Everything the Tar Heels want to be able to accomplish is right there. Just got to do it one week at a time. Right now, that means celebrate. Absolutely. Let's move on to Miami. Go down there. Take care of business on the road and follow it up and win B2-0 in the conference. Now, I uh, I absolutely took the Tar Heels to win this game straight up, but I also said that I didn't think they would cover. It was a nine-point spread, and for me, that was just a little too rich for my blood, having seen or not seen what we have seen, especially from the defense. I was not worried about the offense, despite Virginia Tech's great defensive numbers. But I was just worried that the defense wouldn't be able to do much to stop even Virginia Tech's porous offense. Uh, but they were, and boy, hand up, I made a horrible call on not taking the Tar Heels to cover this game. I also said uh, I chose the over on this game, which was like 56. Um, the game was 41-10 to 10 with plenty of time left for somebody to just score one more touchdown, and you've got that over, but it never came and it never happened, so that was clearly a bad call at the end, too. Well, what we're going to do is what we always do, several big-picture observations, and then I'm going to give you three plays that I thought really helped shape the game, three players 
or groups that really helped shape the game. And then my shady stat of the game will wrap us up today. So the, the first big picture thing I want to look at is in both the Appalachian State and Georgia State games, one of my big takeaways that I kept talking about was this team has to learn how to put their opponent away. Remember, Carolina had sizable, comfortable leads in both of those games and clearly let the teams come back against App State. There was the crazy back and forth. And then against Georgia State, had to win that um, close as well. Obviously, both of those are in true road environments, but still, you got to learn how to put a team away. Let's use the example of Georgia State, which was very similar to what happened on Saturday against Virginia Tech. North Carolina led Georgia State 21 to 3, but eventually trailed that game 28 to 21. So let uh, Georgia State reel off a um, bunch of straight points there. And ultimately, as we know, Carolina came back and scored the final 14 points of the game to win. But you don't want to have to do that. Now, interestingly, against Virginia Tech, North Carolina was in that same scenario, led 21 to 3. And then here comes Virginia Tech. They score a touchdown with just 28 seconds left in the first half to make it 21-10. And, oh, by the way, keep in mind, they're going to get the ball out of halftime. And so you're like, boy, man, a little momentum turn here. What's going to happen? All right, got to come ready in the second half. But Mac Brown says, hang on just a second. We still got 28 seconds left. Oh, and a timeout. Three plays later, the Tar Heels have a field goal swing momentum back in their favor. They stop Virginia Tech coming out of halftime, score a touchdown of their own. So now what could have been a 21 to 17 small advantage for the Tar Heels if they hadn't gotten that field goal, if they hadn't stopped Virginia Tech and then hadn't scored their own right after that, what could have been a 21 17 slim lead Instead, you get that field goal, you stop Virginia Tech, you score. Now you're up 31 to 10, like early, early in the third quarter. And you're feeling like essentially this game is over. You just got to keep making the plays. And so uh, did Carolina learn a little bit yesterday about how to put a team away like I'd been asking for? Absolutely, they did. Now you want to see how do we build on that. And that is going to be a big theme of this entire show is how do you build on various different performances that you had on Saturday. Another uh, big observation for me is Carolina's fourth down conversions this season so far. How about it? Uh, this entire season, the Tar Heels have gone for it on fourth down 11 times. Do you know how many of those they've converted? Nine. Nine of 11 on fourth downs this season, including three for three against Virginia Tech. The Tar Heels converted two down near the goal line on their second drive of the game against Virginia Tech, scoring a touchdown, in fact, on one of those. I believe that was the touchdown to Kamari Morales. And then uh, another, the third of the day, was a fourth and seven near midfield. We're going to talk more about that later in the show, but Man, the work that the Tar Heels are doing on fourth down, that's a credit to Mac Brown for his willingness to go for it. And it's a credit to the offense for being very consistent, not jumping, not uh, getting like, oh, it's fourth down. What are we going to do? Right. Like staying calm and making the plays that they need to make. Way to go, Drake May. Way to go, offense. Way to go, Mac Brown. You love to see it. Another interesting storyline coming into this game was it was another week similar to Notre Dame of strength on strength and weakness on weakness. We have talked about at length how highly ranked Carolina is 
in this season in terms of like total offense per game, um, total points per game or average points per game and how weak they are on the defense in those same metrics came into the game 126th out of 131 in total defensive yards allowed per game. Virginia Tech had a similar spread, a similar dichotomy, but flip-flop had a terrible offense, but like a top 10 defense in terms of yards per game allowed. And so unlike against Notre Dame, this one turned out in North Carolina's favor. North Carolina didn't seem phased by this defense of Virginia Tech that had been performing so well. And in the matchup of the, the weaker units, it was Carolina's defense that clearly won the day there. A great example of this, Virginia Tech's defense had been holding their opponents to 86 rushing yards per game. If you heard me talk about it at all or read my quick hitters this week, you've seen that North Carolina's rushing yards have declined each week of the first four um, until they got just 66 against Notre Dame. However, against Virginia Tech, came out, got 170 rushing yards, just two yards shy of doubling the average yards that Virginia Tech is allowing on the ground. And so great job by the Tar Heel offense. Just, uh, just enough rushing yards there to allow Drake May to do what Drake May does in the passing game. Again, we'll talk more about that later. But what about that defense, this much maligned defense still trying to figure it out? I love what Rob M. said on one of our YouTube uh, shows from this weekend. He said, palate cleanser? Oh, this was on the uh, immediate takeaways reaction from the game. He says, palate cleanser? Short. Corner turned? Hard to tell against the VT anemic offense. Not celebrating yet. Um, and I think that's a good place to be right now. Um, is this a helpful win for the defense? Absolutely it is. You love this takeaway only allowing 10 points. Um, but it is really hard to tell like what, what actually came out of this because Virginia Tech is so putrid on offense. And I, I realize the strength of the word putrid, but it's true. I mean, you, you saw it when you watched the game on Saturday. And so is the corner turned? Ah, we're going to have to wait and see a little bit on that as the season continues to unfold. But it's clearly a step in the right direction at the very least, and you love to see that. Now, that said, I don't care who your opponent is. It's a conference game, and you're allowing under 20 points. It's the first time all season Carolina's defense has allowed fewer than 20 points, just 10, in fact. And it's the first time this season that Carolina has held an opponent scoreless for an entire half. There had been some quarters where they held an opponent scoreless, but this was the first entire half where they did so. In fact, when you look at Virginia Tech's drive chart from the second half, it reads like this. Punt, 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 turnover on downs. That's how you want to see an opponent's drive chart shaping up. So again, where is the defense at as we sit here on Monday, October 3rd? What is the actual progress gained from Notre Dame to Virginia Tech? And, and even in a big picture way, how do you handle prosperity now, right? Um, Again, that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. But on Saturday against Virginia Tech, it was clearly the best it's been all year. But now the key, how do you build on that? See, I told you that theme would keep coming up. How do you build on that as you go on the road to Miami, a team that has had some of their own struggles this season already? And you really want to build on what you're doing. You, you hope that the offense can keep rolling in that environment, but you really want to be on uh, on point on defense once again celebrate but look ahead and work at turning that corner 
Now, final big picture observation. I'm going to praise Drake May in a big way in a little bit. So let me, before we get there, also scold him and critique him some. Buddy, you got to get down. No more of this supermaning. We've seen that twice now. There was a play in the third quarter yesterday where Drake May went airborne near the goal line, came down very awkwardly on his head and neck area. And I, I legitimately thought the way he kind of just stayed down and laid there, I was like, that it didn't look really, really bad. But man, it's such a, a, a fragile and tender area of your body. I'm worried he's got some sort of neck injury. Like that's the thoughts that were going through my mind. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Let me know, uh, those watching, let me know what you thought was happening in the comments there. But um, thankfully, it appeared that he really just got the wind knocked out of him. Jacoby Criswell came in for a play and uh, it, it was an incompletion to the back of the end zone. Carolina settled for a field goal. But then Drake May came right back in on the next series. So, so far, you've been very fortunate on these plays where Drake May has come close to getting just either his clock cleaned or, or messing himself up. Um, and you you love it. You love the aggressiveness. You love just using the athleticism and the build that you have. But sometimes it's worth it to live and fight another day by just simply stepping out of bounds. You, Drake May, are too important to this team to be taking those type of unnecessary risks, right? Like, I think that's probably his weakest um, area right now is he's making great decisions other than sometimes just the, the risks aren't, aren't necessary. And so let's be more calculated with what those risks are. Okay, friends, we're going to get to it in just a second. My three big plays that I thought helped shape this game right after I tell you about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you've got access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can decide who you want to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do exactly that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. As always, terms and conditions apply. Okay, so let's get into my three plays that I really, really thought helped shape this game in major ways. We've tangentially touched on several of these already, but I'd like to get a little deeper into them. First off was the 18-yard pass to Bryson Nesbitt that started the drive right before halftime. We talked about that touchdown that Virginia Tech scored, which, by the way, was their only touchdown of the game. 28 seconds left before halftime. And you would be, you could understand it if Mac Brown said, hey, boys, let's pack it in. Let's go to the locker room. Um, Virginia Tech's going to get the ball after the half. Let's figure out what we want to do defensively and get after it, re, re, uh, regroup, circle the wagons, and then get going. But you know what? He said, we got a timeout. Let's see what Drake May can do. Mac Brown trusts 
his young quarterback in a big way. That's the big takeaway from this moment. And that's the, uh, the field goal aside. That's why I think this play is this, this play, which started that drive is so important. A lot of coaches would say, I don't know. It's a red shirt freshman quarterback, just his fifth start ever. Let's, let's just live to fight another day, not risk a pick six or, or a strip sack or, you know, something like that happening. He trusts him and sends him out. What happens? 18 yard completion to, to Bryson Nesbitt. 14 yard scramble of his own and then a 16 yard uh completion after that sets up your um field goal in comes Noah Burnett uh who by the way is your new kicker with Jonathan Kim deciding to transfer and nails a field goal with six seconds left before halftime Carolina used just 22 seconds off of that 28 second clock to swing the momentum again back in their favor, leading into halftime, giving them that, that momentum, and you love to see that. So I love this play because it helps stem the tide. We talked about closing a team out, and it also shows the trust that the coaching staff has in Drake May. The second play I want to highlight is the fourth and seven that I referenced earlier. Carolina had already converted two fourth downs and short right near the goal line on the second drive of the game. At this point, it's the start of the second quarter. Carolina has a fourth and seven on the Virginia Tech 43. So you're just across midfield. It's kind of no man's land, but, but let's be honest. It's still a very puntable position where you don't want to give up the ball pretty close to midfield. And at this point, the Tar Heels are only up 7-3. And so you're, you're not really sure um, what, what Mac Brown's going to do, but he's wily and he's like, why not? Let's go for it. And let me tell you, I love it. I love that the Tar Heels are going for it. Even though if you don't pick this up, it's a pretty possible negative momentum shift. What if Virginia Tech gets the ball here, drives down the field, scores a touchdown? Now they got a 10-7 lead. That's not what you the hole you want to put your team in in this type of scenario. But what happens? Uh, Drake May gets flushed out of the pocket. When he first lets go of this ball, I thought he was just throwing it away so that he didn't throw a pick. It's like, ah, eh, it's over. But then it's clear it goes right to the sideline. Like as strong as his arm is, if he wants to throw it out of bounds, he's throwing it out of bounds. He's just throwing a jump ball for Josh Downs to go and get it. And go and get it, Josh Downs did. It was wonderful. 24-yard pass play gets the Tar Heels down to the 19. And so Maya just flushed it, chucked it up, had been flushed, chucked it up for Downs, who makes that play. And keep in mind, this had been set up just before this fourth and seven. There was a third and 17. Drake May scrambled for 10, made up a lot of that yardage to make this fourth and seven manageable. And so let's not forget the play that led up to it because that context is super, super important. Carolina ultimately scores, and, and now you've got this 14-3 lead, which is a big change from what could have been 10-7. Way to go, Drake May. Again, way to go, Mac Brown, trusting Drake May. Hmm, you hear that theme running through this? Absolutely you do. And then my uh, final of the three plays that I really thought shaped this game. Man, these are just coming in succession to one another. This one came like immediately after this. Virginia Tech's next drive, Cedric Gray pops up, gets this interception, and sets up Tar Heels in plus territory right there in the red zone already, ready and able to score again. Well, guess what? Next play, Drake made to Antoine Green for a touchdown. And as soon as you can blink your eyes, basically, in the second quarter, it's gone from 7-3 to three to 21-3. to three. 
And at this point, we're less than five minutes in to the second period of the game. Now, as we talked about off the top, Carolina then built on that, um, didn't score again till right before halftime, but did what they needed to do to close out this game from 21-3. Didn't let Virginia Tech back in the game as they had done with Georgia State. So that interception from Cedric Gray, huge. And then the resulting play on offense, huge to get that 21-3 lead. So way to go. Love these three plays. The strike to Nesbitt to start the drive right before halftime. The fourth and seven conversion. The jump ball to Josh Downs. And then Cedric Gray's INT. Three great plays to help shape this game and shift it into North Carolina's favor where they could then put it away a course uh, across the course of the second half. Next, I want to tell you about my three players or units that I thought were really pivotal and important in this game. Oh, and of course, the shady stat of the game. But before we get to those, I want to tell you about Bet Online, which is your number one source for football betting info this entire season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. For example, Drake May has been slowly but surely climbing his way up the Heisman odds charts, and you love to see that. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, come on Braves, Oh man, love to see the end of this season, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, so we talked about the three plays. Now let's talk about the three players who really helped shift this game. Well, I said it earlier, I needed to give some critique and scolding to young Mr. Drake May, but by golly, we got to praise this young man who just keeps doing it. I said it on Twitter, but his consistency has become this thing now where this high level, this elite production is not the exception. It is the rule. The exception is going to be when he doesn't have a game like this. He's now proved it against two stout defenses in back-to-back -back weeks against Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Here's the big thing that, that blows my mind about what he has done in these first five games. He has had five touchdowns total responsible for in four of those five first games. Against Virginia Tech, it was three through the air and two on the ground. His first multi-rushing touchdown game of his career. Seriously, hear me say that. He's been responsible for five touchdowns directly through pass or rush in four of North Carolina's first five games. In the past 25 years, here's some context for you. Only two ACC quarterbacks have done better than that. In 2013, Taj Boyd had five games where he had five touchdowns responsible for or more across the entire season. And then in 2016, some guy named Lamar Jackson did as well. He had five total games where he had five or more total touchdowns. Drake May has done that four times in the first five games. Oh, and if you look ahead at Carolina's schedule and some of the defenses he gets to throw on and run against, there is a very good chance he becomes the first quarterback to get to six total games with five touchdowns responsible for. Yikes. Keep your eyes out to see what he does there. Oh, by the way, he also set a career high in passing yards with 363, eclipsing the 352 he had against App State just a few games ago. 
And now with those five touchdowns responsible for uh, against Virginia Tech, he's um, totaled 22 this season, 19 passing touchdowns and three on the ground. Oh, and still just one interception, only one interception, his entire, not only his whole season, his entire career. And by the way, I don't know if you had heard, but that one interception, the league office went back and reviewed it and said it should have been DPI. And so really he shouldn't even have that interception. So um, there you go. Drake May, definitely one of the players of the game. The next uh, I want to look at is actually a unit. It's a duo, Power Eccles and Cedric Gray, the linebacking core of this team. The consistency these linebackers have shown game in and game out in terms of helping lead the team and set the example has been incredible. Now, have they been perfect? Absolutely not. There's been some missed tackles and other things. We already talked about Cedric Gray's interception on Saturday, which is a great thing. But these two guys, let me just, here's the consistency of it. They have been the top two individual leading tacklers in each of the last three games. One of the two of them has been the leading tackler in all five games. Power Eccles was in the first game, and Cedric Gray has been the leading tackler in each of the last four. And neither of them has finished lower than third on the team in individual in tackles for a single game. So they've either been top two, which has been the last three games, or both top three, which was the first two games. That consistency is what you have to have from these linebackers answering the bell, helping bring, bring consistency to what has been, prior to Virginia Tech, a, a very inconsistent defense. But to know you have these guys who are going to answer the call every time they step on the field, you love that. And then that helps just bring along the defensive line and the secondary into that as well. And again, are these guys perfect? By no means. But they are helping set the tone in a big way for the rest of the defense. All right, the third player or players I want to shout out is the offensive line. You might or might not have picked up on this, but did you see how many times Drake May was on his back on Saturday? That's because the answer is zero. Nada. Zero sacks allowed by the offensive line for not the first, but the second time this season. There were no sacks allowed against Florida A&M either. And so I know that's not entirely on the offensive line but it is chiefly because of the line that the offensive the job that the offensive line has done obviously you know tight ends are going to help with that uh running backs in pass pro and honestly drake may himself has to be a wise decision maker to not allow sacks uh that was one of my consistent and only critiques for sam howell was just i thought he had too many times in his career where he would hold the ball too long hoping to make a play and i know you live with some of that because he's sam howell um but uh, I think Drake May contributes to this as well. But this is a moment to highlight and praise the job the offensive line continues to do. Just nine sacks allowed in the first five games. And, and if you're wondering about like, how often does that happen where a sack is not allowed in a game? You know how many times that happened last season, 2021? None. Every game Carolina allowed at least one sack. What about 2020? None. Every game Carolina allowed at least one sack. You have to go back to 2019. It was two of the last three games of that season to see the last time Carolina had multiple games in one season with zero sacks allowed. So hopefully Carolina can continue to build on this. You love to see the work of the offensive line. It's a proud unit. It's an intact unit. And, and you want to see them continue to roll. Spencer Rowland, love that. Um, 
but man, love to see them coming together. The role, Corey Gaynor, the transfer from Miami, who will be going back to Miami this coming weekend, has played already on this team. Really excited to see what the offensive line can continue to do. And as always, I love to say, I know my guy, Brian Chekos, is thrilled with that reality. And finally, my shady stat of the game. Let's get these sunglasses on. On the season, you ready for this? North Carolina has been in the red zone 20 times in the first five games. That's an average of four red zone trips a game. <laughs> this is this is mind-boggling to me. In those 20 red zone trips, they have scored 18 touchdowns. That's right. 90% conversion rate on not just scoring, touchdowns on red zone trips. 18 out of 20. But those two times when they didn't score a touchdown... One of them was the series against Virginia Tech on Saturday where Drake May got uh, had to come out for the play and Jacoby Criswell just barely missed in the back corner of the end zone. You settle for a field goal. So they've scored some points on 19 of these 20 red zone uh, trips. And the only one they didn't score on, it was of their own doing. It was a kneel down at the end of the Florida A&M game as the clock ran out. So the literally the only time this season that Carolina has not scored points on a red zone trip was because it was the end end of a game. You kidding me? That's a shady stat of the game right there. Love to see it. Keep this red zone offense humming Tar Heels. What a great way to end today's show. Coming up this week, uh, is the one and done going away in college basketball? We're going to talk with Jason Jordan about that. Uh, we're going to have a women's preview. We're going to get you ready for the Miami game on Saturday. Great stuff coming up. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't, so you can get entered in this Starbucks giveaway. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHeels and follow me at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Really appreciate you starting your week hanging out with me, recapping this football game. What a huge win. Let's build on it against Miami this coming Saturday. I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace.